0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the For the Love podcast with me, Jen Hatmaker, your very, very happy host. As we continue on in our Flipping the Script series, we're going to be looking at all the ways that even changing our home, changing our career, and ultimately our point of view enables us to create new possibilities for ourselves with the one and the only Mina Hawk. Hey, everybody, Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. Welcome to the show. So right now we are in the middle of a series called For the Love of Flipping the Script. We were really interested to talk to people right now who are pivoting. I think probably because collectively we are all pivoting. We're, we're re-entering life. Some semblance of normal is coming back, whatever that really means. And so we're all in this season of like kind of a new story. And so we really wanted to talk to and learn from people who have done this themselves. So maybe they flipped the script on their life on purpose. They started something new. They tried something new. They changed their mind. They changed their life. And for some of our guests, the script was flipped for them. And either way, I was interested to learn from them. What do they have to teach us right now? What lessons did they learn? What courage could they share? And thought it was timely for a series like this for so many of us whose scripts have changed, whether by force or by choice, either way, what do we do? So I have really wanted to talk to today's guest. For more than one reason, she literally flips. Like she literally takes something old, and what most people would say beyond repair, and flips it and turns it into something beautiful and new slash old and stunning. And I also wanted to talk to her because she flipped the script on her own life on her own career on what she knew how to do what she was willing to learn how to do and so today I have the absolutely incredible Mina Hawk on now if you know where you love her you may have heard of her little show on HGTV called Good Bones right Good Bones and she is incredible But Mina is a superstar. I love what she has done. And she'll tell you this, but she doesn't have a background in construction. That's not what she grew up doing. It's not what she studied. She taught herself. She taught herself. She went to school for something entirely different, but discovered this kind of passion. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. It's it's her absolute entire life now. She discovered this passion and figured, you know what? I'll teach myself. I'll learn. I'll take a risk. I will pivot from where I thought it was going. And I'm going to go this direction instead. She built her business, two chicks and a hammer <laughs> with her mom and has also been growing her family, like right in front of our eyes over the course of her show, growing her business, expanding in kind of every possible way. And then most recently she added a new Layer to her repertoire. She wrote a kid's book called Built Together. And of course, I love it because it's centered around the idea of diverse families and what makes a family. I think we have a lot to learn from her for what it means to take a risk, to make a change, to make a pivot, to try something new, even if it's a male-dominated industry, even if you don't have a history for it and you have to learn from scratch. I just drew a lot of inspiration from her today. Plus, she's just darling. She's just absolutely darling. Podcast listeners, you might want to pop over to the YouTube channel so you can kind of see her too, because she's got this like infectious way about her in a good way. (laughs) So her smile, her look, she literally was outside working on a remodel came inside for the podcast and went back to it and is premiering a show tonight. So hilarious. Anyway, that's over on my YouTube channel. If you want to watch his talk and not just listen to his talk, but anyway, you're going to love her. You're going to love this conversation. And if you don't already love Mina, get excited to fall hard. All right, you guys. So here is my conversation with the absolutely darling Mina Hawk. Okay. Mina, welcome to the show. I love you. you. I love you. you. (laughs) I love you. I love your funny little quirky family. I love your show. I love your mom. You guys, you just have the You've got the secret sauce. You got the magic.
1: (laughs) It's so funny. There were some like brand people here, not for the show, but for like a, a thing I'm working with for another company because of the show. And they were in the house and we had finished filming and they were like, thank you so much. You've been amazing to work with. You're so great. And my husband walks in and I was like, baby, did you hear all that? Like, see, people do like (laughs) me. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh. You guys don't know her.
0: (laughs) Totally. Totally. You're like, can you write that down for him? Um, Can we just just record it? So anytime
1: he's like mad at me, but look, see,
0: Yeah, you can be like, no, they say I'm delightful. So, yeah. what do you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was just telling you that we did a short season show on HGTV. And I was telling just my community, I'm like, look, the best thing that I can tell you for some marriage advice, if you're going to remodel a house together with the person you married, is to have cameras and producers around. That's it, because they make you behave. Like you cannot act like the lunatic that you want to act like (laughs) Um, you have to be pleasant and, and cute and like nice. And so, yeah, that built in accountability. I hear you. We're Um, going
1: on season seven. So my husband lost that built in IDGAF gene. It's gone. So he just says whatever he wants now.
0: (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. The shine is off the penny. So (laughs) at this point, it's probably very much is what it is in your world, which I love. So, okay. It's, I can't imagine anybody that is in my community and listening and doesn't love you and HGTV as much as I do, but just in case somebody's under rock, I've already kind of told my listeners a little bit about you. I kind of high leveled your credentials, but I wonder if you can just kind of give us a look at how you got started doing what you do because you are a, you're a girl in a man's world and i'd love to hear about your kind of ascension to be where yeah. you are right now i will try to do like you know the the nutshell version
1: but i don't have any training i never wanted to be a designer or uh, you know an architect or anything like that i went to college for general studies you weighted know, tables in high school and college after college, I did like my first house that I lived in in college. I worked for my landlord, and it, it had been an over-under duplex. Like, but it had like a beautiful staircase that they closed in to make it an over-under duplex, and it wasn't anymore. So I was like, "Hey, can I take this wall down and open up the staircase?" Like, it's it's really dark in the living room, and I don't know why. But he said yes. So that was like the first thing I did, and got like a little taste of it. And there wasn't like you know much after that until I graduated. Like, I built. My bed in my bedroom because you know in college your bedrooms are this big, so it was a big platform bed with dressers under it and stuff like that. But when I graduated with no, you know, job prospects that I wanted, I didn't want it to sit in a cubicle in a crappy pants suit. So I was still waiting tables. I decided to convince my mom to co-sign on a house for me because I, I was like, okay, this is my grown-up thing. I don't have a job. I'll buy a house. That makes sense. And it was it was a HUD house, which is urban development, which is shorthand for it was very, very bad. And it, it was a full gut. And I got a construction loan, but the construction loan wasn't nearly enough to cover the work it needed. So that's where sweat equity comes in. So my mom and I did a bunch of stuff. Like We didn't touch the mechanicals because my advice I give everyone as if it can flood or set your house on fire, leave it to someone else. But we did like the flooring and the cabinets and the tile, and we installed windows and doors, and I did trim and just literally learned as we went, like watched YouTube videos. I legitimately bought construction for dummies. Don't know if I actually ever read it, but I owned it. A lot of other books like that, like read the instructions with the flooring and the flooring installing machine. And that was that was the first one we did. And it was fun. And I had a little bit of money. I had like 20 grand saved from a pretty bad car accident I was in in college that I'd invested. And this was right before the market crashed. So it it was about up to like forty thousand dollars, so I was like, "All right, I'm gonna pull it all out, and we're gonna do this." And I bought a twelve thousand dollars house, and Mom and I renovated it. It was about this big, and that was just the beginning of of the cycle. And for a long time, it was just I was still waiting tables. Mom was an is an attorney, but she doesn't really practice anymore. And you know, we'd work. I, I'd wait tables. I'd get some cash. Buy tile. We'd install it. She, not kidding, would get like a brown paper bag of cash from her criminal clients. I would buy some just, boring reading. What's going
0: it. on? It's <laughs> happening?
1: <laughs> and I eventually got my real estate license in 2009 after I paid my first commission because I was like, oh, I can do that. So I got my license for 500 bucks and made a, a like a little Facebook page and came, I, I I came up with the name Two Chicks and a Hammer because I wanted something like fun and quirky, not super serious and made this Facebook page and just kind of started documenting the homes we were doing more kind of for archiving. And I had a handful of realtors that followed me because the area we were in at that time was up and coming. So they wanted to see the houses that were coming up next. And that Facebook page is how the talent scout from High Noon production company found two chicks and a hammer and it had my cell phone number and my home address. And she just called me and said, "Uh, you ever thought about making a TV show? And mom and I are not, well, I thought it was fake at first.
0: I'm sure you did.
1: (laughs) Once I did some research, mom and I definitely aren't the type to pass up, you know, an opportunity. And, you know, I, I was just waiting tables. So I, and all the way through, I don't know, a lot of people probably don't understand as much as like we do, how long the process is between like, you get called by a talent scout, you go through 20 steps for the next 10 months or whatever, to maybe even get a pilot to maybe get a first season. And so I was still waiting tables, like all the way through filming our pilot. And then it aired and it got picked up. And then that was the beginning of the end. And now we're in
0: season seven. That's bananas. Cinderella story. (laughs) I mean, just like, you know, overnight success, obviously waiting tables, real estate license, flipping houses, shooting a pilot, you know, just a piece of cake like a real piece of cake. I love that. And I, I think what I love maybe the very most is that you're self-taught that, you know, we watch you now, you know, everything about everything when it comes to a house, you're just, you absolutely have it like locked and loaded. I assumed this is what you studied. This is what you grew up doing. You had some sort of mentor, but you like bought a, a handbook for dummies and you just figured it out. I I think I love that. I'm curious, what was harder for you? Was it harder to learn construction or was it harder to learn how to run a business? Cuz you that's that's two pillars that you have to support your work with
1: 100%. It was construction, learning construction, learning how to run a business and learning TV, which is the weirdest world in the world all at the same time. And I did none of them gracefully. Like my my company that has existed for a while just recently like went through this big overhaul. I started doing executive training because I don't like managing other humans. I'm a control freak and I'm like, no one's gonna do it right unless I do it. Which is not true. But I feels don't know if trying yes, it feels true. <laughs> Yesterday it felt very true. So I my my older brother who's worked for Google and Verily and is one of the smartest people I know recommended an executive coach that his huge company had brought in for them and she's amazing and I could never afford her like on my own but we worked out she's super interested in construction and design so we kind of worked out a trade along with payment And it's been a really, really cool, really helpful program helping me grow to help grow the company. And very shortly after I started doing that, like two weeks, my sister left the company. My sister-in-law left the company on maternity leave. We just had this huge turnover. And for a weekend, I melted down and was like, how do I do any of this? I think the biggest lesson I've learned is I think early on, you you know, you're, it's like, you don't, you don't have the money to spend. So you're kind of like piecemealing things and 10 people are doing one person's job. And we're at the point where I was like, okay, I need to, I need to spend the money. I need to invest in the business and invest in myself and get some fancy pants people in here because I am not a CFO. I'm not a CEO. I'm not a CMO. And so the whole company in the last gosh, two months has really kind of, grown pretty significantly and it's still changing and I'm still learning stuff. So the business was by far the hardest.
0: Mm. Good for you for knowing when to call in the reinforcements and the, and what's funny is of course, as you're experiencing it feels scary to release the reins of something you've built of your, of your beautiful baby, but then you, you staff for growth, the contribution that the smart, fancy people bring to the table. It always makes me wonder, why was I doing this by myself? Like, why did it take me so long to hand this over to somebody who is really competent here and, and able to kind of grow the whole mechanism together? So, cause you really can't do everything. I want you to talk a little bit about the TV experience and what it was like for you at the beginning, what you hated, what you wanted to change, what you did change. Because season one to season seven, I mean, you have a completely different grasp of what you're doing now.
1: Yeah. There's a one through four are airing today before our season premiere. And I'm like, oh God, don't watch season
0: one. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Right. Are you like, Kind of like a rope, like you're kind of clunky, and you're like, "Filming
1: wasn't ever weird," and and that's what's kind of strange. So when we started filming, there was like a graffiti festival because we live right downtown, and they were like, "We're just gonna film you guys like going through the festival," and I was like, "What does that have to do with the show?" And afterwards, they're like, "We just wanted to get you guys comfortable in front of the cameras, but you're fine because my family is big and weird and dysfunctional, and like it was just a camera there while we were still being big and weird and dysfunctional." So that was never weird. But like the, that how to make TV, like there's, there's things that I know now is like, when you're done talking, walk out, which seems simple, but you're in a scene. And I'm like talking to my contract and I'm like, okay, cool. Okay. So this is what we're going to do, Bob. And he's like, yeah. And then we all just there. <laughs> when in doubt, walk out. <laughs> so just things like that. Like when you talk, stay open to the camera don't let them film your back like in our team probably season one through five our team was kind of like going back and forth figuring out who was going to be on the production team one through three and we had some not so hot people like I don't cry we had this little tiny woman that made me cry like day two she was there she told me I was washed out I needed to put lipstick on and she had come from the bachelor or the bachelorette so just like Totally different world. But once we got our team together and we kind of understood what we needed to do for TV and they understood what our construction was like, then it started to mesh because I think our show, one of the reasons it's successful is because it's very different. It's not like a host based show, it's not, you know, a structurally sound house and you're just making it pretty again. Like it's this really big beast with significant construction. And I think in the past few years, TV and like HGTV and design type shows have just started going that direction, which is awesome. Like it's more real. I think people like it, but it was a new, it was, you know, it wasn't fitting inside the pretty little box.
0: Which was nice. It was nice when you guys hit the scene to have a really different show on the network. It felt for a while... I think I'm allowed to say this, that a lot of the shows were kind of same, same, same. And so coming in, well, first of all, having women at the helm was really fun to watch and not just putting the pillows on, like doing the damn thing. And then such like a monstrous undertaking every time. I mean, sometimes I look at the houses that you guys are going to take on and I'm like, don't do it just don't yeah, do it. Like, I think walk away. Like this is I'm not salvageable. Have you ever had one just go so completely sideways that you had to cut it?
1: Uh, we had one that was supposed to be season five house that went so completely sideways that it's a season six house. So it's airing now. Yeah. Because just like just, delay, was, delay. Yeah. It was such a mess. And I think the other thing that people don't quite understand is I don't have like a huge bank account, and we have to get thirteen properties for each season. So some of the houses that people are like, "Why did you buy that?" I'm like, "I don't know. I needed
0: houses. <laughs> I just, I'm right there with you." Um, yeah, because you, Cause you, a you have a house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's so true. I'm curious how it has felt to you. What's it been like now to just be pretty recognizable in your community, in your city, wherever you go, you know, cause you've now kind of forfeited your anonymity that you probably once enjoyed when you were waiting tables. How does that feel? Because that's a strange thing. Cause I know how you feel. You feel, I'm just, I'm a person. I'm a, nor- I'm a, I'm just the same, same, I'm same. I'm not anonymous. that cool. Yeah. I'm just a person. I just like, you know, but people freak they freak because they love you. And then they feel like they know you too, which is exactly how I started this interview. And so how have the like, how does it feel? How are you managing that? What's your boundaries? It is super interesting.
1: Cause you know, on one hand, I'm like the people who have known me forever. They're like, she's not that cool. Like my neighbor, when people drive by and they're like, hi, he's like, I have a show like these people. Why do they care about you? And I'm like, he's like, I don't give a Why do they care about you? But I also really like, you know, the only reason we have a show is because there's fans and people love it. And what I have to give a lot of credit to our production company for this, because they could edit this show. They could edit our content a million different ways. And the way it's edited and put together, it's, it's not fully us, but it's a pretty accurate, small snippet of us. And people do feel like they know us. And I think that means you know we're doing our job well. If people feel like they can relate to us, so when I do see people out and they're like, "Mina," there's always that half second in my brain is like, "Am I supposed to know you?" Because it might just be someone from Indy that I should know, or it might just be a fan that knows my name, knows my kid's name. So it's there's never been a situation where I felt like my like my boundaries were pushed or anyone was doing too much. And I think. You know, it's probably annoying for my husband. Like, I know he's super proud of me, but it's probably a little annoying. Like, if, you know, I got to stop and take a picture 10 times or whatever. But he also understands that that's why I have a job. That's why, I, well, I mean, I still renovate houses, but that's why, like, that's what keeps everything going. It's cheesy, but we have the best fans. Like, they're awesome. Say something
0: mean about me on social media. I don't have to, oh, yeah. I don't have to fight back. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Me. They'll police it for you. Same. <laughs> exactly. Same. I always yeah. can just say, I'm just gonna leave it for the commenters. They'll get it. They'll like circle the wagons and I don't need to oh, worry I about see it. Something and I'm, oh dang, you shouldn't have done that. They're gonna get uh-huh. you. <laughs> I, I know. Like you poke the bear, you don't even
1: know. I posted something yesterday on Instagram with a poll about cause our season premiered. I don't know when this is gonna air, but it actually is tonight. And I was like, Who's coming with me? Who's watching it? And did a poll and it was like, me, and then like, not me. I'm cranky. I don't like you or something like that. When you put in your answer, it shows that it's 99% and 1%. So I got this message from this woman who's like, who is this 1%? And if they hate <laughs> you, why are they following you and taking the time to comment?
0: I was totally. Like, exactly. Oh I was my gosh. That makes me laugh so hard. And it is so true that, you know, I remember one time I had my brother with me at uh, this huge event I'm speaking at. I'm, it's like, 7,000 people, some absurd thing. And there's like a book line and, you know, it's all the thing. It's all this fanfare. Some woman told my brother, she's like, I just absolutely love your sister. She is amazing. And my brother was like, she's okay. Like, like I've seen like, her poop herself. She's not. She's okay. Great. I mean, she's all right. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Which is helpful to have, like a a weird family who's like, no, this we give you two thumbs down. So yeah, don't believe exactly. your own hype. I
1: think that's the best. I think you cannot believe the hype. Anyone that ever asks, the best advice I ever got, because I don't know if you've ever met or talked to Jen Tadrick, but she's in Texas. She's awesome. She just had her first season on HGTV. It premiered like two months ago, but I was talking to her a lot early on. I don't know, we're both genders. We somehow connected on Instagram and you know, she would ask me questions because I've been doing it a lot. And I was in the same position a long time ago. And when we started season one, my original network executive, when she came out, she said, TV's a weird place. So you'll be okay if you can do a couple of things. She was like, you need to remember that the people who love you don't love you. They love the version of you that we've created and let them see. And the people who hate you don't hate you. They hate the version of you that we've created and let them see. So if you can remember that none of this has anything to do with you, you'll be fine. If you can't remember that, you're going to, you're going to lose friends. You're going to lose family and it's going to go bad because I've seen it go bad. And it sounds like your family is good at this too. Like my family, not that I am the kind that would lean towards believing my own hype, but they all our friends and family keep us, keep us even healed.
0: Oh yeah, I get the it. big eye roll. I really love that. Somebody told me early on too a helpful tidbit kind of along those same lines which is that you want to believe the hype. You want you want to believe that you're as great as everybody thinks but they're like if you full like wholeheartedly believe all this inflated enthusiasm about you then you're also going to believe all the inflated negativity like you, you don't get one and not the other. And so all of it is skewed to a pole. Kind of like you said, it's not reliable. That's not reliable data. And so and even if
1: it's a hundred to one good to bad, all you're going to focus it on is that one bad. That's just how we are only for 10 years. So, yeah. And I think for some people, it's a lot harder. Like I'm talking to Aaron Napier early on. I'm kind of a jerk. She's one of the sweetest humans in the world. And she was having a really hard time with that. And I was like, you have to not care. Because if you do, this isn't where you're going to get eaten alive. People
0: are, people are terrible. They're mean. They're mean and you have to develop a thick skin. You just have to, or it's just not your industry. Otherwise it's too easy to take you out of your own head, out of your own, like even just value because the things that people will say on the internet, they can be really vicious. It's been fun to watch Erin because I've literally watched her skin thicken. It's wonderful. It's, I think it's good for our communities also to watch us set like emotional boundaries around stuff like that. And not just be. A doormat for everybody to say whatever they want to us. I always just say like, this is my party. And if you're being rude to me and my other guests, you get to leave. This is my corner of the internet, my party. I'm hosting. Bad behavior is like not accepted. Block, goodbye. Hey sisters, are you getting the support you need across every category, including your bras? I'm gonna introduce you to the most comfortable bras I've ever owned. They're from third love. And here's the thing. They're not only comfortable and perfectly fitting, but they're pretty. I literally have a whole drawer full of them, including their classic t-shirt bras, which happen to be their number one best-selling 24 seven bra. They also recently introduced a new seamless collection called Form that includes wireless bras and form-fitting undies with limitless stretch and endless comfort. But here's what I truly love. Their bras come in more than 80 sizes because Third Love carries double the type of sizes as most other brands, meaning they have everything from AA to eye, including all the half cup sizes. And they use a compilation of millions of real women's measurements, not just size templates to create their products. It's just so inclusive. And I love that. And third love has an easy button for finding your perfect fit. They have a fitting room quiz that focuses on size, shape, current fit issues, and your personal style so that you can easily find bras and underwear that are actually perfect for you they've also recently introduced loungewear that's so comfy and perfect for work from home and lazy sundays on the couch it's actually made to wear anywhere third love knows you deserve to feel supported comfortable and confident 24 7 so right now they are offering my listeners 20 percent off your first order So go to thirdlove.com slash for the love now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 20% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash for the love for 20% off today. School is starting. Summer is winding down. And in addition to these shifts, it feels like we're all collectively navigating a new wave of uncertainty and plot twists and question marks. So whatever that looks like in your own world, it can feel heavy. Even the good things can sometimes leave us with a bunch of conflicting feelings. There's so much wisdom in supporting your mental health with counseling in these times and really all the time. You know how I feel. I like to think of it as building a foundation under you from which you can better navigate everything, the good, the bad, the hard. Online counseling with BetterHelp does just that. It's professional therapy that is fully virtual and online. So you can get connected from anywhere, literally. And their licensed counselors have a broad range of expertise, specializing in everything from depression, stress, and anxiety to relationships, trauma, anger, family conflict, you can start communicating with a therapist in under 24 hours and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. BetterHelp is also committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. That's why they also make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. I know I am at my own best when I stay committed to my regular therapy sessions. It's one of the reasons I cannot encourage you more in this. So as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com forthelove for the love. Join more than a million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, slash for the love. So I want to ask you this, this series is on the show is called flipping the script. And we're talking to people who have pivoted, who have started something new, who like you, I went to school for this and now I'm going to own a construction company and be on a TV star. You've just had a change. And so it's interesting too, because you like literally flip houses, you do flip, you flip. And I so appreciate your attention to when it makes sense, like preservation or restoration or keeping it in keeping with the style or the year of the house. You're, you're so great about that. And it's so fun to watch people come into your homes and just, I mean, they just freak out. Of course they do. I'd like to hear your take on as somebody who literally flips houses from disasters to just absolute showstoppers, what your sense of home is, because this is what you do. You create home for people. Maybe you have a story. Maybe you have a favorite family. Maybe you have, I don't know what, but I would just like to hear, because obviously you would not keep doing this if you did not have this really solid sense of place and design. And like, this is where my people are.
1: Yeah, I think you know one of the unique things about like our business is that I live in Found Square, which is the first neighborhood we started in, and it would be more lucrative to kind of jump around the city to pick renovations. But we've done hundred and another dozen or so. There's a couple outliers, but all within like a mile around me. So that's incredible. Yeah, and when you can do it in that close of an area. You can really, really make a difference and see a difference. And I think the people that have always been in the neighborhoods—the whole idea of gentrification—is is a hot topic. And we have—I get beat out all the time by California investors, New York investors, local investors that have never seen Indiana, that have never—you know—they're they, just plopping money in because someone told them it's a good price, and they'll they'll get their money And That feels different to locals than I think what we do and reason I, I say that is because we've ha- probably had half a dozen homes where people have approached us and said, this is our family home. You know, So-and-so, we had, to, you know, we had to put our parents in a home or they're living with us now or whatever it is. And we need to sell it. And anyone else we sell it to will tear it down because that's how you're going to make the most money. These are small. It was a working-class neighborhood. They're small, mostly shotgun homes. So the land is worth more. They tear them down. They build giant three stories that are 16 feet wide and sell them for $600,000. And not everyone cares. They just want the money and to move on. But the people that do know that if they ask us to, we won't do that. We've always honored that. And if we can, we we do that anyways. But I think that makes a difference for people to know that we're we're kind of like in it with them versus like, you know, pulling strings from our ivory tower. And I think that's part of the idea of like the home. Like cause in our neighborhood, like I go to the coffee shop, no one gets a hoot about me at the coffee shop because Go to the coffee shop for 10 years. You're their neighbor. Yeah, I'm their neighbor. And I think, you know, doing the houses, it's not just I'm not just building a house in the suburbs that I'm never gonna see again. I pass all the houses and run into all the people all the time. So I'm like every person that buys one of our houses is like my neighbor, which also makes it nice that we've had really awesome buyers. Cause if you suck, like I even if you make a really good offer, I do not want to sell the house to you. <laughs> I'm not trying to get bad people in the neighborhood. <laughs> But we've also had some really cool things because we are also just proximity. Our premiere episode, we were renovating it and an older gentleman stopped by because although he had moved out of the neighborhood, he still went to the the church in the neighborhood with his wife and his family. So he was always back in there and he stopped by and he was like, I grew up across the street. This was my godfather's house. And so I pretty much grew up in this house. He was like, I have pictures of it. I have the original hand-drawn floor plans because my godfather was away at the war, and my his wife and daughter like drew the floor plan and put the furniture in when they bought it, and like sent it to him. So when he came home, he felt like he knew the space. They had the original bill of sale, which was fifteen hundred dollars, and it was just so cool. And he he said he had the original, you know, the big like buffets that had the wood TV in them. Oh yeah. He's... So he still had his godfather's giant TV that he had won in a sales competition and that they watched the moon landing on in the house.
0: That's too so, much. So yeah, we didn't crazy. have a
1: buyer. So we've reached out to him and we're like, we would love to show it to you and your wife so you can like see because it, had, it was so bad. We got it. You see what we get. And that's not how he remembers it or how he left it. That was really fun. And we got the sideboard and got the TV working again. It was really cool. So those kind of things are extra fun. And so many people that are buying are like younger than me, my age. And this is the start of their family. Like they just got engaged or just got married. And, you know, this is going to be like the next step in their lives. So it's, it's fun to see all that. And, you know, I have friends I've made, you know, that, I, that are still, we have barbecues together and stuff.
0: Right. You're not just like building homes. You're like building a neighborhood. You're building a community and that's special. That's really different. That's different. And your sense of like ownership in your city comes through real strong in a way that is just admirable. I really love it. By the way, you did open up another drawer called I'm a Writer Now. I am an Author. I publish a book. Let's talk about your book. You've written it for kids. It's called Built Together. I Have It. It's darling. It's very darling. How did this come to be? Was this your brainchild? Why did you do this? You're busy.
1: Yeah. I have like a Google doc called ramblings and it's all like my adult ramblings that eventually would be in this like, not memoir because I'm not old enough and I haven't done cool enough stuff to have a memoir, but like kind of a look behind the curtain because people only know me from TV and if they follow me on social media. So I've been doing that and I've been doing that for years and that's a big undertaking. A kid's book, although it's still a big undertaking, it's what like 80 words? (laughs) It's easier to come up with, but having kids... I mean, there's just, there's so many terrible shows and terrible books that just have weird messaging and like, you know, reinstilling those like gender stereotypes and just weird stuff. So reading all, like having those and like finding the good ones, that's what kind of got me and my brain going. And my family is very non-traditional. Both my parents have been married four times. There's yours, mine, and ours. I have ex-step siblings. I have half siblings. I fostered my niece it's just this whole hodgepodge. So it's not even the idea of a different parenting structure based on like your sexual identification or orientation. It's just all the things. So the idea to have a book, like obviously kids aren't really going to understand that in a concrete way, but you know, it gets in their little sponge brain in the back that families can look like anything, just like your house can, you can paint it any color, you can build it anyway. It's whatever works for you. And respect how your neighbor built theirs. Cause that's their house and, you know, support and love them, even if it's different. And then ideally, you know, this, the, the ideally we create these very enlightened, lovely adults
0: all from a kid's book. <laughs> that is the goal. And I really appreciate that. I appreciate that work. And frankly, that's just the truth of the modern family. My youngest two kids are adopted. They're Ethiopian and I remember when my son was in third grade and they had this genetics like family tree project where you're supposed to like interview a grandparent and... talk about the traits that you have that your grandparent has and what did they pass to your parent? What trait? It absolutely. that's got it feels so weird. Yeah. For well, that. guess who just drove right up to the school? And I was like, let's just have a talk about this because First of all, this is making my own kids feel incredibly alienated and isolated, but let's just talk about. And of course, the teacher was really like generous. And I'm like, can you just go through all the kids in your classroom and imagine which ones does it not apply? So some kids are adopted, some are with steps, some of these kids have been fostered. Yeah. Or some never of them live with their original. Their... Yeah. Yeah. Like this is not the nuclear family structure that is the common story anymore. And so bravo to you for introducing those narratives to our kids. I think we raise them up differently and this hopefully will never be something anybody ever has to talk about again, that families just look different. And I know yours does and mine does. And I love that. And you're right. There's so many stupid books for kids and weird, weird shows. My kids are big, but I have I have little nephews and I'm like, I hate what is happening on the TV. Cozy, comfy, cute. These are the three C's that define what I wear. <laughs> they just are. I apply the same rule to my shoes because the absolute last thing I wanna do is walk around in shoes that hurt my feet. Have I done it before? Of course I have. But now I have zero tolerance for this nonsense. That's one of the reasons that my Rothy's are in constant rotation. Cute? Yes, check. And when you put them on, it feels like you're giving your feet a little hug. They are so, so, so comfortable. I've been wearing Rothy's slip-on sneakers forever, but I've also added their new flats. And their loafers to the mix because they all look good. They travel well, they're washable, what in the world? And you just feel like you're walking on clouds. They are just like, I cannot tell you how comfortable they are. So yes, yes, yes. Did you know they have bags too? I use their overnighter bag almost every day of the week. So here's another thing. Rothy's has recently launched a shoe line for guys designed with an artisanal level of detail and created with nearly zero waste just like all their products. Rothy's reduces their footprint literally by crafting shoes and handbags out of sustainable materials like hemp, as well as thread made from 100 million plastic water bottles. It's crazy. They are really turning trash to treasure here. So step up your wardrobe with washable, sustainable, stylish shoes and bags from Rothy's. Head to rothys.com slash for the love to find your new warm weather favorites today. That's Rothy's, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash for the love. So about to land the plane here with you. Let me ask you this. So while filming a show and growing your own family and trying your hand in new spaces and like adding things to the list and just growing as a person, like as a human being, I'd love to know for you, maybe let's just say in this last calendar year, what is like one way that you have grown or evolved or changed or improved any in any category at all where you just say this feels stronger now than it was even a year ago I think for me probably
1: it's come with the executive coaching it's come with the change in my job it's come with age with being a parent but also like actively working on it is realizing that there's so much stuff that goes in the not my problem bucket That I need to be okay with that. And like not trying to convince other people that what I'm doing is right or what I'm saying is right, like being comfortable with what I'm doing on my own and not needing everyone else's approval. Because my family has always been big on that. Like, if someone wants to do, even if it's something as simple as like, let's go here for vacation, it's like, I got to get everyone on my team so I can make the argument. And I think that's applicable to a lot of people across the board. Like, we really want that support and approval in general. And if I can have it, that's great. But if I still feel like I'm in a good place and I don't have it from whoever, just being okay with that and not feeling the need to continually explain myself and try to convince people, because I think I spent a lot of time doing
0: that. Mm, Me too. I'm very alpha in that way and generally think I'm right. And so, (laughs) uh, I mean, I can't help it that I'm right so often, but yeah, that's a lot of my, I know, I know, I know I'm a lot. And so I, I love that answer. That's, it is nice to get older. How old are you Mina? I will be 37 this year. Yeah. Okay. So I'm one, I'm decade older than you. You just continue to get better, which is nice to know. Like you're going to love yourself in 10 years and you're going to love yourself 10 years from there even more. I mean, I would never go back. I would never go back. to my never, I don't know why never.
1: anyone would. I was so stupid. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. If you even chart, like this is where I was at 17. This is where I was at 27. This is where I'm 37. It's like this continuous uptick. Okay. How about this? These are just, oh, this is my favorite part. Yeah. Off the top of your head. Just, I'm asking everybody in the flipping the script series, these questions. So what for you is the most important thing you get out of switching things up every once in a while?
1: A sense of like that I can continue. I think uh, longevity, probably if I was doing the same thing and it was monotonous, I think I would kind of be in a rut. And so that things are different all the time. I get longevity.
0: Yeah, it's good. I like that. Yeah. put a little bit more gas in the tank of a thing that you love. Okay. And kind of the flip side of that, what a like comfortable, familiar thing or practice or person or just whatever thought, whatever it is, do you hang on to? when you're in the upside down part of, of, of things changing, of flipping the script, like what is the, what's a constant that kind of holds you steady through change or upheaval of any kind?
1: I know this is probably a weird answer, but I think just like independence, like I said, like my parents have been divorced a lot. They haven't been pretty. There's been a lot of like, everyone has their weird stuff. And I've gone through a lot of stuff where it was, I had to just rely on myself and getting married was challenging because you have to like let someone else in. So when things are weird, I've always been like, okay, well, I'm not, I haven't relied on anyone else, not financially, not emotionally, not any of these things. So I can fall back on knowing I can manage myself. If everything else falls apart, I can manage myself. And a lot of the times that's helpful. And sometimes it's, you know, not so helpful because it it turns into the stubbornness and isolation. It hasn't, you know, probably in the last chunk of my life, but when I was younger, for sure.
0: Hmm, I love that answer. I was the opposite. I got married. You're gonna die. I mean, I got married when I was 19. And then I was married for 26 years and got divorced last year. And so I'd never literally been an adult by myself. I wasn't an adult when I got married. And so this last year of discovering that I am enough for me is monumental. Like it's it's life altering that I actually can I can put my chips on me and it'll be enough and it'll hold. So I actually love that you learned that early and I hope my kids do too. I hope they learn that they're enough and then nobody has to complete them. They can just add to the story. Last question. And you can answer this however you want. We've had literally every kind of answer for this question. It could be like endearing and earnest or it could just be absurd. It doesn't matter. What's saving your life right now? My kids. There's always... See, I'm not a crier. I don't know why I'm
1: crying. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> they're it amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They just. There's so much going on, and you know, relationships. You know, my husband and I are great. My kids and I are great. But you know, family dynamics and and work stuff. That's just you know, it's, it's 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 like I'm very dedicated. So you, you know, you just keep going. Like you have to keep working. But when like I stop and think about it, it's like there's a lot going on, and having like my awesome kids, my awesome husband, like. I don't think about anything else when I'm like playing with Jack or Charlie's nine months. She's so fat and cute and like she's laughing. She's kind of like brings it all back together. And it's like, okay, there's a lot of stuff going on over there, but this is great and everything's going to be okay.
0: So good. Also, so fat and cute. And Kathy. Uh, oh yeah, of course. I've, I've assumed that was a gift. Yeah. I mean, I'm, here I am. i yeah probably my fourth cup of the day. Okay. So fantastic. Before I let you go, can you just sort of tell my community where they can find you, where they can follow you, where they can find Built Together, your new book, all of it? Yeah. So
1: my company is named, it's called Two Chicks and a Hammer. And that's what it is on the various social media channels. if you want to follow me, which is like, you know, babies and armpit waxing and weird stuff. I'm Nina Stars Hawk on Instagram. And we have our store, Two Chicks District Company. It's an indie and we're also online. So you can get the book on our website. You can also get it at tons of bookstores and Amazon and stuff like that. So yeah,
0: that's it. Right on. Okay. Well, I just want you to know that I think you are fantastic and I love your work. And I, even whatever it is that you choose to kind of show us We're here for it and just cheering you on in every way. I just really sincerely just, I want your star just to continue to rise. It's really fun to watch and I'm really proud of you. And it's exciting for women to watch you do what you do with such like enormous success. And just, it helps us all realize, God, hell, we can figure stuff out. We can learn. We can try something new. Reinvent yourself whenever you want. Yeah. Uh, hmm. At any time, it's never ever ever too late. So, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. Um, Thank you for having me. Awesome, take you to dinner. Yeah, we eat, I would love that. Here. Yeah, i
1: absolutely. Oh, I'm excited. All right. Bye. Bye.
0: Okay, guys. She's great, right? I knew you'd love her. I'm so happy I got to meet her. And listen to her. I love her story. I love her pluck. I love her willingness to try new things, to do new things, to brave new frontiers, no matter what was kind of expected of her or even what she studied to do originally. Like that's inspiring to me. If you go to jinhatmaker.com under the podcast tab, we'll have this episode, we'll have all the show notes, and then we'll have links to all things Mina. If you'd like to follow her on social and grab a copy of her book for your kids, which you will love, Built Together, we'll have that in one spot for you. And so more to come on this series. We have a superstar lineup for Flipping the Script. I'm so excited about this series. I'm just thrilled to get to talk to these amazing humans who have done exactly that in their lives. And so don't miss a single episode of the series, go back and pick them up. If you've missed them and more to come next week. So thanks for being here guys on behalf of Laura and the crew and Amanda and I, we love you. We love serving you. We love this community. We love building this podcast for you. Thanks for listening week in and week out. You guys have a good one.